it it's supposed to improve, isn't it? Till that guy parked his uh, fantastic uh, vessel. Uh, <laughs> in the Suez Canal. Welcome to the Theory Podcast with me, Valerie, Tom, Charles and Tay from Hogwarts Singapore. And we're recording our very first pilot test podcast today and I'm very excited to try some new things and, and inject some new excitement into the, the dairy industry. So just wanted to quickly introduce ourselves. We have Tay. Most of you would have remembered him as the skydiving wakeboarding lover in our latest uh, marketing email. So here we have Tay. Tay, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I'm Tay. I'm handling mainly Philippines, Bangladesh, Myanmar and that's about it. Okay, and then we also have our blockchain expert. Morning, Charles. <laughs> Morning, Valerie. Yeah, so uh, indeed, uh, a little bit more uh, interested in blockchain these days. So if you combine the two with theory, it's basically trying to bring uh, milk from grass to glass through the Bitcoin nodes. But yeah, excited to be here. For those that don't know me that well, I'm Charles Esmana, handling Indonesia mainly. Also, uh, origination for Oceania and some sales there as well lately given the prices. Also a little bit of uh, Japan and Singapore food markets. So yeah, excited to be here to share some insights from those markets. Thanks, Charles. And finally, we have the non-flying Dutchman, Tom. Morning, Tom. Thank you, Fel. Yeah, unfortunately, the non-flying Dutchman forced to stay within the country, of course, because of lack of uh, flexibility of traveling. Yeah, living in Singapore with my family since two years. I've been taking care for African markets for eight years. And now together with you guys, uh, responsible for APEC. And uh, very happy and excited to start this new uh, podcast episode. First and foremost, happy Songkran to everybody from Thailand. I uh, hope you guys had a good um, holiday. And uh, so, guys, what's happening, you know, in the dairy market these days? I think the biggest announcement was yesterday, uh, Sunday evening, uh, 5, 6 p.m., O'Neill came in. And O'Neill is the Algerian government. And uh, it's not a big surprise that they organized a tender. Um, but the fact that they still need to buy for arrival May, that is more or less the big surprise. Oof. Arrival May would mean probably like you know, I mean, you need to be shipping it out now. It's already mid-April. How yeah. how is it going to be shipping possible? Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds to me a bit like a, a squeeze is coming. A little bit uh, not too different from Bitcoin, <laughs> which uh, if you guys were watching on Saturday morning, was a big squeeze. Um, seems something similar might come in dairy. Yeah, but given given the logistics that we're seeing now with the Suez Canal, with the U.S. logistics coming in. Uh, we're talking about June, July shipment at earliest. And the EU, I don't think we can get anything out before first week of June, maybe end May, perhaps. So how is this going to happen with O'Neill? What do you think? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and next to that, not uh, or definitely important to mention, if you supply O'Neill later than what you promised them to supply, you pay uh, reasonable penalties. Um, reasonable penalties <laughs> so from out of US it will be uh, it will be a no-go from out of Oceania it will be a no-go 
Um, yeah, and then from out of Europe, uh, they they should be able to offer for arrival, let's say uh, June, July. Um, but hopefully, uh, O'Neill covered himself uh, good enough for the May period uh, during last tender, in order to avoid any uh, any problems with stock levels. Yeah, they're not going to see anything arriving in May. I'm pretty sure. Uh, how much does uh, does O'Neill buy, Tom? Usually. In general, like they never announce it, but in general they are buying, let's say, between 15 and 30,000 tons of skimmed and a similar volume of whole milk powder per tender. So if for our buyers, O'Neill's in the market, what does that mean? I mean, is it more on the logistics side, we have to work now instead of first week of June with third week of June? Or is it more that they'll snap up a lot of the product, we think? Yeah, I think the second one. They will snap off, uh, snap up a lot of the product for our buyers, um, especially the ones who can uh, accept U.S. product. It won't impact it too much because I cannot imagine, given the supply chain issues from out of the U.S., that O'Neill will be buying U.S. material. So that will give our buyers in in Vietnam, Indonesia, but also other countries uh, possibilities, of course, to go for U.S. material. Similar story from out of uh, New Zealand. If you need to have something for arrival prompt, then New Zealand still is the place to go to. Yeah, and, um, slightly interesting premium. Yeah. But uh, given current prices, I think I do see some buyers interested in covering for prompt out of Oceania simply because they have that you know peace of mind that uh, goods will ship out. So interesting times. Yeah, and I think... Interesting also for whole milk, right? Because in the past, when people think about whole milk, we all look at New Zealand as the cheapest origin. But uh, lately, especially Europe has been uh, competitive. But now that O'Neill's in the market, uh, they'll buy Europe, they'll buy South America. It could change the market a little bit more. And um, I've, I've been getting inquiries lately about European whole milk. Now with O'Neill, I think um, we, we have to see again after all this, how it happens, because Europe is not known for its supply of whole milk. And yeah, 15, 20, 30,000 tons is quite a bit. It's quite a bit. So let's see how that plays out. Yeah, and let's not forget, like in Southeast Asia, we still have buyers looking for June shipment, June, July. We hear Japan is going to come in for a feed tender sometime mid-May for Q3 shipments, but I mean, everybody will be happy to take an earlier shipment period if, if it's possible, simply because, you know, you don't want to stuff up the logistics and not be able to book enough freight to be shipped out. So, fun and games, guys. Fun and games. Two steps back and ask ourselves, like, what exactly caused this logistical squeeze to happen. Freight has gone up since mid of last year, actually, and uh, we haven't seen any reprieve, and uh, all we hear is like freight rates going up and up and up and up. You can't get container space. So anybody can help me with the history of exactly what happened? All right. In dairy, just like GDT, if anything... We see a big swing. We just blame it on China. So similar, similar to the logistics situation, it all boils down to the fact that compared to last year, China right now has a very significant increase in exports. In fact, at the moment, we see 30% of increase in China exports. So there is a big demand for containers at the moment. Not just that, it coupled with the fact that COVID 
it has impacted um port operations a lot. So right now the the biggest thing we see for the past few weeks is the congestion from the US ports. One thing is China needs all these empty containers to be cleared, and at the same time, the port operations are in in US are in, in severely impacted by COVID, so they do not clear the containers in time, which escalated the situation. So here comes the next question: Will the situation be better in the coming months? I mean, just from our experience by speaking to the different freight forwarders, the expectation is that the US congestion will last at least until August. It it's supposed to improve, isn't it? Till that guy parked his fantastic vessel. Uh, Never forget <laughs> in the Suez Canal. What do you think is the impact on that? But I, I think even you know you know we have a lot of people saying it will get better by Q3 or Q4. But the question is, isn't this a bit more permanent? I mean, that we have to now work with longer lead times. Tay mentioned it rightly. I think China is exporting, and if you look at what they are exporting, it's not commodities, right? It's consumer goods, right? Just last week, uh, I was on Lazada, just buying something that was five dollars. The freight was twenty cents. I I hear some of my friends uh, are buying stuff like that every day as well. So. All this is taking up a lot of container space. I think we're used now to a different lifestyle already. I think online has been, you know, online commerce has been going on for for a number of years. But now I think COVID, for some reason, has just brought this online mindset. Right? I mean, we're taking food delivery, we're buying things on the go. It's all on demand. I think that's going to continue, right? And and if that continues, the question is: is more capacity going to come online to to serve the demand that's needed? Because I, in in my own thinking, why would things get better in Q3 or Q4? You know, it's not like COVID brought a huge spike in commodity buying. I think it's more coming from the consumer side. So this is, I think, the new reality for a while. Yeah, it could be the new norm. I mean, with like you mentioned, freight for consumer products super cheap. But you think about it in context of how much it weighs. Like you're buying like a headband that is like two grams, and they charge you a dollar. So in one whole container, the freight they they are paying up, and and for commodities we can't. That's exactly why we get bumped off. Very very good point as well because I think when we talk to freight specialists, the reason why container rates for the backhaul uh, route, which is from the dairy originating regions from Europe or US, it's it's spiking right because there's just not enough containers that want to be in those regions for a long time. Right, they just want to get it back right away to China and export the next uh, electronic goods or uh, consumer goods that are being made in China because the front hall is where the money is at. So you have uh, a lot of commodities that are competing for very little space in these commodity exporting regions, and there's just not enough containers. And and if we talk about freight, like what was it like six seven months back, we used to pay. Let's say two hundred fifty, four hundred dollars per forty feet dry box from out of Rotterdam to uh, any uh, Asian port. Today we're talking about twelve fifty, fifteen hundred dollars. Do you guys think it it will further increase? I don't know. They're saying that the prices would be better in summer, but then come Q four perennially prices go up. So <laughs> gives us a what a one month reprieve, but uh, I, I doubt. I, I think prices will keep holding yeah. up you, you if you look at freight economics for a long time carriers have not been making money right you can't make money on 
250 a box yep. kind of uh, shipment. So in times of shortage like this, it's time for them to make money, right? Print. To print. <laughs> they will try to delay putting capacity online. They're very happy with the congestion. You know, every week, um, I'm sure there's someone always asking, hey, I have an urgent shipment. I'm willing to pay another thousand bucks per box. Can you take my shipment instead of theirs? And it's happening. Um, not saying that that's possible because <laughs> we are we are one of the guys that are paying up to, to try to do that when especially our buyers need urgent shipment. But it's not always possible. So fit economics play a big, big role, I think, in this. Yeah, and then luckily, guys, we are shipping to Asia. But if you ship from Asia to Europe or to US, if I speak to expat friends leaving Singapore after after a few years, they are paying up to $10,000 per 40-feet container. It's incredible. Printing money. Yeah, I think for the past few minutes, we have been investigating and trying to forecast what will fit situation be like in the coming months. I think good to point out that you know, all these things are things that we cannot control. So in, instead of trying to forecast it, I think right now probably the biggest question from the buyer's perspective is, okay, what is my, my, my preventive measure? As much as we can forecast, but what is something that the buyers can do now? Which is what I usually tell my, my buyers. At the moment, we cannot predict whether the congestion will be gone in the coming months or whether there will be another big vessel that will be parked right smack in the middle of Suez Canal. But what the buyers can do now is to book early and to prepare a buffer stock for that. And just to, to be on the safe side, if you need shipment for July or August, just plan it for, for June. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree there. And, and also one thing to add, plan early and diversify a bit in terms of origin. Yeah, actually, that's an interesting thing. I, I also do notice that some buyers are looking to buy maybe super proms from the Oceana and then maybe one month later, they can cover some EU products, which is cheaper. And finally, if they can take some US products, they would cover some for, say, July shipment. So everything is lined up. I know it's more expensive for some origins, but but that might just be the way to around it. I completely agree. And um, I've heard a story, I think, a week ago, a buyer stepped in to buy Oceania skimmed at 3700 while you can buy still from the US at 3000 Mm. Um, I think under normal circumstances, no buyer wants to pay a $700 premium, right? But if your alternative is having a stockout situation uh, for your factory, that's going to cost you more. So what's stopping you from planning ahead of time? I think that's that's more less costly and, and makes more sense. I've been getting this particular question a lot from the buyers as to like, when should they step in? And I tend to ask them more like, how long more can you wait? And a lot of them are telling me, oh, the flash is coming, the flash is coming. Yeah, the flash is coming. But it's something that I think buyers like to wait, you know, for April, May. They, they, they want to wait and have a better sense of what the flash brings and before deciding to step in. But I think this year, situations and circumstances have changed. And I think maybe let's discuss a little bit more about, you know, how, how long should they wait? If they should wait, what do you guys think? Flushes coming is also uh, is always one of those arguments, isn't it, to uh, keep waiting to buy something. 
personally, I don't believe too much in uh, the flush effect. Um, it's a bit similar to the situation in New Zealand. Of course, uh, everyone is waiting for the new season, but the new season also means that a lot of demand is popping in, especially from out of China, of course. And I think this year, if you take a look at Europe, the flush is coming. Yes. Um, first of all, the question is how big the flush will be. Expectations are not too good at the moment. And secondly, the flush is coming at a uh, similar same timing that Horeca in Europe and uh, will be opening up again. So restocking will have to take place um, from from the restaurants and the bars and everything. Yeah, and I, and I always tell my buyers, if you just look at the prices for the past say four or five years, what how did the price behave during the flush? If you look at it for the past past few years, you, we see a gradual increase of the prices of skim even during the flush. So the question is, what, what, what makes you think that the price will come down during the flush this time? Yeah, so I think we need to look at everything in the context of the buyer's perspective as well. And it makes a lot of sense, right? If you're a buyer, you say, this is my budget for dairy products. Uh, prices have been going up since COVID. It's now above pre-COVID levels that you say, oh, it's expensive. But waiting is such a, it's just a, very natural for a buyer to do so. But like Tom mentioned, it, now if you're a buyer and you're looking to buy whole milk, are you waiting or are you not? Because Southern Hemisphere, New Zealand, is the low season. But people are still waiting. So this mentality of the flush is coming, therefore I wait, is actually you see it across um, different products as well, like whole milk. Uh, technically, if we use that logic, the flush is coming, we should wait. Then now whole milk, you should be buying because it's the low season, right? Mm-hmm. But people are not you know, rushing to buy. I think more importantly than just looking at the flush as a seasonal pattern, it, you, you need to look at the macro environment. It's We're in a bullish market. So far, supply has been easily outstripped by demand. The question is, when the flush comes, will the demand be substantially lower than supply? And if Tom says correctly, if the markets are opening up, food service is back online, uh, you see now in the news, countries are now starting to relax regulations of eating out, taking off masks. Yeah, people are going to go out They're going to consume dairy products in the food service segment. Maybe travel bubbles will start. Uh, Finally, the non-flying Dutchman will be the flying Dutchman. The Horeca segment is going to explode in terms of dairy demand, right? The question is whether all this retail buying now, we we spoke about uh, with different buyers about now people are setting up uh, home businesses where it spiked dairy consumption. Uh, We know that our colleagues, Dutch colleagues in, in, in Europe are eating more cheese at home than they are in the office. Right, so working from home actually has actually been very good for cheese demand. But the question is, if the food service opens up again, will that take over that retail demand? And if you look at all the signs, I tend to think that the demand will be substantially stronger than the supply, or in this case, the flush. nearing the end of our very first podcast like it's been fun but uh, we have some interesting questions from our buyers and from our friends um, so just five very quick fire questions uh, first being ASF situation in China and I think I'll take that one so I think ASF 
yes, in China seems to be resurfacing, but let's not forget in Southeast Asia, there have been a lot of buyers who have been waiting by the sidelines. You know, the prices have been really high for them to accept. And now that it's somewhat slowing down a little bit, we see them coming back in. So this should be supportive for the demand of um, permeates and lactose, as well as sweetway powder for feet in Southeast Asia. We have the next question, Western European buttermilk. So, Tay, any comments on this? Yeah, as now we are moving towards the summer where the liquid buttermilk is highly consumed in Europe. So moving in the coming months, it will be very tight. And uh, another question about New Zealand AMF that has basically gone through the roof. Anybody wants to take this one? Yeah, I'll take this one. So in New Zealand, milk valorization, that means if you're a, a, a manufacturer, the, it's better to produce now whole milk powder because of the prices compared to skimmed and cream. So with the lack of cream, low season, I think AMF is going up. And if I have to make a bold call, I think AMF will hit 7,000 earlier than it hits 5,000. <laughs> nice one. Interesting question here. Um, maybe Tommy want to take it. Champions League winner for 2021. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, I hate to say it, but I give good chances to Paris. Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> same one here. Same call. Nice. And last but not least, a very interesting one. Uh, Bitcoin. What's happening and what's the story? Tom, I think you should give your first call. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to make another bold call here. Uh, I think Bitcoin is going to hit 75,000 before it hits 40,000. Up nice. only. Up only. Well, there you have it, guys. I think that brings us to the end of our first podcast. I think it's been fun. Hope you guys enjoy this. Any feedback, do let us know. Any questions, let us know. We'll be more than happy to incorporate this. I think we aim to have an episode every four to six weeks but we'll see how it goes um, so thanks very much everybody and thanks for listening and we hope to hear from you soon thanks guys thank you bye bye